This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to Celebration Church. Everyone joining us. Uh, online. Glad to have you guys here with us. Would you please stand with me as we recite together the Apostles' Creed. Now, this is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It's at this point in our service where uh, we pause to take our tithes and offerings. And uh, while we're not handing out uh, the buckets, um, if you do have cash or check that you're given this morning, you do have a little envelope uh, there in your seat right in front of you. You can fill that out. And then you can drop that off out the doors, the ushers will be standing there as you leave, um, and you can drop your ties in there. Uh, but otherwise, we encourage you guys to continue giving online and digitally, which has been uh, great. We appreciate that. You can go to celebrationchurch.tv slash give, as you can see there on the screen, or you can go on to the app. You can give that way. So anyway, appreciate your faithfulness in supporting this church and believing in this ministry so we can keep blessing others. Amen. All right. Well, uh, Today we're going to be looking at John 14, chapter 14 in there, and that's where our passage for today is going to come from. And, uh, but just to set this up, I kind of want to get us in the right frame of mind of what's going on here. Um, we're going to jump into this part where Jesus is in the middle of this, is this discourse. He's kind of giving his last little speech and lesson to these, uh, his 12 disciples here because he is... Um, about to head to the cross. And he is aware of this. Of course, you know, they are not, even though he's been dropping hints. (laughs) And so he's going to now take time to uh, share and explain with them, hey, here is what is going on. All right, and it's an interesting point in the conversation, the meeting, you know, this is after the Last Supper where Judas, uh, Iscariot, bad Judas got up and he left to go betray Jesus. Jesus has already told Peter, hey, you're going to deny me, Um, you know, so I'm sure it felt a little awkward, uh, to say the least, in that moment. And Jesus is going and he's explaining these things and telling these things about what's going to happen and what's going to come. And of course, 
the disciples have no idea what he's talking about. They're very confused, right? Because they don't understand what's going to happen. They don't understand, you know, what's going to happen. He's dying. Like they're not getting the whole picture. You know, it's kind of like how sometimes in a movie, you don't quite understand the movie until you get to the end, you know, and understand that. Um, I don't know if any of you are uh, married to someone or have someone that my wife's getting nervous anytime I say it. Not you, honey. This isn't you, but I'm going to use just as an example because I'll understand. But where you're watching a movie and they always are asking, so what's going on? Who's that guy? What's that? And you're like, I, we don't know yet. Watch the movie. We'll find out. Um, but as I, was, as I was thinking about this, you know, how Jesus is, is leaving these hints and stuff and it's going to make so much sense at the end. I thought of the movie The Sixth Sense. Have you guys seen that movie? Uh, if you have not, uh, guess what? I'm going to ruin the movie for you, okay? <laughs> I'm going to completely spoil, a huge spoiler. It's kind of known as one of the biggest, like, whoa, gotcha moments, you know, huge left turns in a movie that, uh, you know, that kind of ever happened. Everyone was super shocked. Uh, because what it is, it's about this, uh, Bruce Willis, he's this child psychologist, and he's working with this kid, and he's helping him and doing this stuff, and, and all of a sudden, at the very end, you find out that Bruce Willis is actually dead. And the kid sees dead people. And so he's a ghost, you know. So you don't get that until the very end, um, kind of because you're looking at it through the eyes of, you know, Bruce Willis, who has no idea he's dead. Now, what's funny about this, and um, uh, if you like comedy, you can find uh, Nate Bargatze on YouTube has this hilarious thing about uh, the sixth sense. But in the movie, it's not like the director and the guy who wrote the movie doesn't give you hints. You, if you've watched it, you'll remember the very first scene of that movie, he gets shot and dies. Very first scene. Guy comes into his house, boom, and shoots him. And then it kind of picks up and he just kind of goes on and, you know, uh, there's clues in there. You know, he talks to his wife. His wife won't talk to him. She seems kind of cold to him. And of course, you know, uh, that seemed more believable to us than him being dead, especially all the husbands, right? Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, she's just not talking to him. She's, she's mad at him, you know. She's pretending like he's not there. He wasn't there. He was dead. So even though you get that, people, his wife's not talking to him. He literally died in the first scene. None of us get it. And you watch it, and it's like you don't get it till the very end, and the kid goes, I see dead people, and then the lights pop. I'm like, oh, that's why all this stuff was going on. This is sort of the image I get here, where Jesus is telling these guys, listen, this is going to make sense at some point, I know it doesn't now, but I need to tell you this stuff so that it will make sense, you know, after it happens. So as you can imagine, the disciples, I mean, they're confused. They don't know what he's talking about. They're getting a little nervous. Because um, you got to remember from, from their perspective, I mean, they're followers of Jesus. Like, this is the thing. He's going to be their savior. He's gonna, maybe he's going to liberate us from the Romans. Who knows this, this deal? They're, they're following him. And he, then he says he's going to leave. And it's like, wait a sec, you know, we've kind of ticked off everyone else around us. You know, the Jewish leaders think that we're, you know, blasphemers and the Romans don't like us because they think we're just, you know, rabble rousers and causing uproars and things of that nature. And so they keep asking, what, what, what do you mean you're going? What do you mean you're leaving, you know? And, and you see this kind of throughout uh, his, as he's chatting here, there's times first Peter comes and kind of has questions. Thomas has questions. Philip has questions. And then this morning where we're going to pick up, it's after Judas, uh, uh, not Iscariot. So this is good Judas. All right. So we got bad Judas, Judas Iscariot, and then good Judas. I'm sure Judas probably said this all the time. You know, hi, I'm Judas, uh, not, not Iscariot, not Iscariot. <laughs> 
And you'll even see John when he was writing in here, in parentheses, not Iscariot. That's probably Judas, like tell him, hey, put, put in there too. I'm not that guy. I'm not the, you know, I'm good Judas. So, so, uh, so let's take a look at this. So G- Jesus has been going on and, and he says, you know, before long, Jesus says, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. You know, it's like, well, I don't know, like Jesus is gonna go camouflage. He's gonna hide somewhere. Like, you know, what does this mean? And so uh, in uh, John 14, starting at verse 22, it says, then Judas, as you can see, not Iscariot, which Judas is like, thank you. Um, he says, uh, he says this, he says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Right, like he, he's just confused. These guys are confused. Like, what are you saying? We don't know what you're saying. And so Jesus replies. He says this in verse 23. He teaches us a little lesson. He says, listen, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. He's finally getting around to answering the question. They're, I'm sure, very confused. He said, if you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And he says, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. You see, they're, they're not quite getting it. So he kind of sets this thing up and he's trying to answer, he's trying to teach these lessons. Now, what's great about this is that we are past this a few thousand years and we've seen what has happened. We've seen the miracle of Jesus. We've experienced in our own lives what he's done on the cross. And we've got to see this. So let's go back now and to kind of take a look at what he's saying here and, and unpack this uh, a little bit and what, what kind of lessons we can learn from this, um, this passage, his teaching he's going. So in verse 23, it says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So Jesus is saying, listen, if you Believe in me if you love me, if you follow my commands. In other words, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You call yourself a Christian. It says, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And that's a powerful little statement right there. You know, we don't serve a God who's just off on a mountain somewhere, up in the clouds, far away, who can't hear us, who isn't with us. We don't serve this God who if, if he's in one spot, you just gotta go and search him out and try and find him. It says here that he wants to be with us. You can learn something about the nature of God in here. You see, if you've ever wondered, does God care about me? Does he hear me? If you ever struggle to pray sometimes because you think like, well, I, well, I don't know if he can hear me. You know, maybe I need to get Pastor Mark to pray because I think maybe he's got God's number. I don't have that number. Yeah, I'm on the do not, do not disturb list, do not call list. The truth is here, you see the nature of God. No, he wants to be with us. He wants to make his home with us. And we see this all throughout scripture, God's desire to be with us. In the the New Testament, or sorry, the Old Testament, uh, the very beginning in Genesis, when Adam and Eve, still there, they're still in the garden, but they've just sinned. They just 
uh, have eaten of the apple, there's a passage in there that says that now that they've sinned, they're kind of hiding, and they said, you know, that they could hear the footsteps of God, that God was, was coming, and so they hid. Now, theologians argue whether that was God actually walking or just, you know, like he was in the wind. I don't care, it's for those guys to figure out. But what I do get from this is that they were close enough to God, they had been around him enough that they could tell it was him. They knew it was God. You know, think about, about uh, you know, like when you were a kid, you ever like lose your parents, but then, you know, they have a particular laugh or they do something and you could find them. You know, you could always hear them, they're very loud. You know, it might just come out by myself because I have a very loud father who was very difficult to lose. And uh, I, it was actually great because I, me- I remember, one, honestly, one of my, my earliest memories, uh, I must have been four or something like that and we were at this church, uh, it was in Decatur, Illinois. And I remember you kind of running around as, as a kid, just kind of doing whatever. And then all of a sudden I'd think like, wait, are my parents still here? <laughs> you know, which I don't know why I thought that. Perhaps I'd been left at some point, I don't know. Um, but, but I just would stop and I would listen in a crowded you know, church lobby, all these pe- people talking and all I would have to stop and listen. And because about every 10 seconds you would hear my dad laugh. Because <laughs> he's always laughing and he's loud. And he has a very particular laugh. And so I stopped and I'm like, ah, ha, ha. okay, he's still there. Then I'd go off and do my thing. And if I ever wanted to find him again, you know, because I'm a little guy, I can't see past the crowd. I was sitting, oh, that's my dad. I remember my wife uh, telling me to her, her mom, she said, oh yeah, I, I, I could always find my mom because she always had jewelry on. <laughs> and so I had to listen to the clink, clink, clink. Oh, mom's over there. Right, we understand we can know the sounds of our parents. And that's this image you see even in Genesis that God was so close, was with them that they knew the sound, they knew it was him. Oh, here he comes. I told this in the first service. Uh, It's not my notes, but it's kind of funny. I just remembered it. There there was a time where, uh, maybe I've told the story already, if so. I'm sure the Holy Spirit will speak new life into it. Um, There was a time where we went to a, uh, a movie theater, my family and I did, and it was kind of out of town in the, the town that we lived in, and we sat down and were there watching the movie, and um, unbeknownst to us, my uncle, Bishop Ed, had also gone to the movie. Now, both my dad and my uncle have very, they're very loud folks, <laughs> but they have very distinctive laughs. You know, my dad's more like, ah, my uncle's more, hoo, hoo. he's got this kind of laugh. And so we go into the movie, we sit down, we have no clue they're there, we have a crowded theater, and the first trailer comes on, something happens, and everyone, the whole place laughs. But in that whole place, there were two laughs that were extremely distinct. The ha ha and the ho ho. And everyone gets quiet. The next thing happens, it's quiet for a second, and all of a sudden you hear, Mark? Edwin? Like they could tell it was each other, right? Like it's just this distinct voice in there, anyway. So, so anyway, so now, now after, after the fall, after sins has come in, you know, it, it makes things different. You know, God can't be quite with us, but he, he, things have been messed up, but he still finds a way. So he tells, you know, in the Old Testament, you can read how he tells them, listen, build this tabernacle, build this ark, and I'll, I'll come in, I'll have it, inhabit in there. But he's got to put all these rules because he's like, listen, I'm God, I'm holy. You come in and you're unclean, unholy, you'll, you'll die, you know, if you want to know uh, uh, a great reference for that, just watch uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? 
if you've seen that movie, at the end they find it and they all melt, okay? It couldn't be in the presence of God. So he, he wanted to be with them. He wanted to make his home in there, but it, it was a little tough. Like only one guy could go into that holy of holy places and him only one time a year. So that's as close as he could get. But then when Jesus comes, all of a sudden things change. And now Jesus starts talking about how like he is a temple, how God is with him. And it's kind of like, whoa, that's why the Jewish leaders, things like that, that were kind of freaking him out. But then you find out that in the New Testament, Paul talks about how we're temples and how God is with us. And even that, 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 uh, that tabernacle that they had built where God was, and it, it had to be covered by this big curtain. It said when Jesus died on the cross that the curtain was torn in two, which represents and means that now God isn't just in this little spot. He's with us. He's accessible to everyone. It's not just to one guy one time of the year. Something completely changed when that happened. And so, and Jesus is talking about this because see, this hasn't all quite happened yet. And he's saying that my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. He wants to make his home with you. In other words, that's where he wants to be, where he feels safe. It's not a place he's just visiting. It's not like a vacation home and sometimes God's with me and he's not. He's always with you. You say, well, what does that mean for us? Well, in Isaiah 41.10, it says, so do not fear for I am with you. You do not have to be afraid. He says, do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you in my righteous hand. See, if you choose to love Jesus and follow his teaching, guess what? God is with you. Jesus is with you. They come and the son and the father dwell within you. They make their home in your life with you always. So whatever you're going through, when the dark times come, sudden tragedy might hit your life, a doctor might give you bad news, you might have some deal at work that fell through, and things at home are just tough and you're struggling to get along with your spouse, your kids are driving you crazy, something's going, guess what? He's with you. And you don't need to freak out and worry because Jesus is there. And wherever Jesus is, is hope. Wherever Jesus is, is salvation, is healing. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. This should excite you. This should give you some kind of comfort of like, wait, what? He's with me? Yes, and this is what Jesus is trying to explain to them. Again, it made no sense at the time. But he's like, whoa, something's gonna happen, and guess what? We're actually going to be with you. And again, hard for these guys to understand because we'll know God's over there, and I'm not one of the guys that can go in there and see him. I have to stay out here. He's saying, oh, it's all gonna change. And the truth is, there will be peace and joy that can come into your life. When you understand that God's with you, 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 then you need to understand there's no darkness too great. There's no trial too big, no mountain too big that God can't help you overcome, amen? Now, moving on in verse 25, Jesus continues on. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. So now he's talking about this Holy Spirit that's going to come. Again, I'm sure Mist made absolutely no sense to these guys when he's sharing it with them. And in there, it uses the word advocate, 
right? Uh, the Greek word is actually uh, parakletos. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I think my son took Greek. Maybe he can understand. He can correct me later. He'll do that. But it, it's the word paraclete kind of translates. It's, and and it, it is. It means like a helper. Some of the words, the, the translations will use. You've got advocate here. You've got helper. Um, you know, it's, it's almost this idea of like a, a counselor is another one. And it's this idea of like almost like a lawyer. A lawyer is there to help and assist you and give you advice. And, you know, you have questions. They can, they can help you through things, keep you out of some trouble, which to me makes a lot of sense with the Holy Spirit because how I've heard the Holy Spirit speak into my life um, is usually I come up with some idea, you gotta do something, move in a direction, you pray about it. And more often uh, I'll hear the Holy Spirit speak into it by saying no than saying, yeah, go for it. Which is always a little nervous, right? Because it'd be really great if the Holy Spirit just came in every time you had an idea. That's it, that's the one, go after that. All right, then you go for boldness. <laughs> so I gotta trust him and just keep moving along. Do I have a no yet? Do I have a no yet? Okay, let's move forward. Which I guess is similar to a lawyer, you know? And if you have a lawyer for business or something, you come up with some plan, something. You think it's great. <laughs> We've done it a few times here at the church. Let's do this, let's do such and such. Is this legal? <laughs> Not that we're trying to do something legal, but how, how do you do this? You know, it'd be a real estate deal or something like that. Is, is this right? We, we can do this? Is, yes, yes, you can do this. That's what lawyers are there. They'll say, no, adjust this. And you're like, thank you. So this is kind of the idea of trying to, what he's trying to explain to these guys. There's gonna be this helper. There's gonna be this thing with you that's helping you. He says, that will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Because yeah, Jesus is gonna leave, they're gonna, who's gonna be our teacher? No, no, don't worry. And I don't know if you've, you've noticed that before, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Maybe you've been in a church and you're listening to a message and you're just trying to stay awake listening to this boring guy up here. But then all of a sudden something will be said and it's like, something inside you just kind of lights up. And you're like, oh, maybe it can be a conviction, maybe it can be something else, but something kind of hits you inside. See, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And it starts to reveal things to you. And that's what those of us who get up here and who, who preach and who teach, we're hoping to jump into this thing with the Holy Spirit because we cannot create a personalized sermon for each and every one of you. We're hoping that we can create one <laughs> that will hit most of you. And so that's what we go into this. Like I, I know I, I always do very humbly and just say, God, I need you in this. Holy Spirit, take what I'm gonna say and speak into the hearts of people because it is not me who will teach and show things. It is the Holy Spirit. So I'm joining in that. And you can see kind of how this works and, 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 and uh, uh, can, can sort of burn in the heart as the scripture talks about it. When in, in Luke 24, Jesus had... Uh, died on the cross, resurrected. Now he was back and, and there was a couple of disciples who were on the road to Emmaus and they were walking along and Jesus kind of comes up and um, you know, he, he was able to keep himself from recognizing them. I don't know if he grew a mustache or something like that, but they, they didn't know who he was. That's a joke, by the way. I don't think that that's like any kind of theological, like, oh, okay, Jesus must have grown a mustache at some point. I heard my pastor say it. Um, but he's walking along with these guys and then uh, He's hanging with them and he's showing scripture to them and stuff. And then at one point he reveals himself to them and then he disappears, which, oh. And then we can see what they said. They said in, in, in uh, verse 32, they said that they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? That's kind of the, 
what you get when the Holy Spirit speaks. It's just some kind of burns inside of there and it just kind of opens things up. And listen, and if, and if you ever think the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you're not, not quite sure if this is him, get around some other Christians. Come in and talk to us, the pastors. Like, I think God was telling me such and such because sometimes at the, it's difficult to understand, is this the Holy Spirit or is this just some bad sausage I ate last night? <laughs> and, and right, because you think it's the right thing. I think this is what he's telling me. We, we can tell, listen. And really the way that you tell is, does it seem to line up with the nature of God? Does this make sense? Does this connect with the scriptures? Because guess what? One thing God won't do and, and Jesus won't do is he won't tell you one thing in the Bible and say something here and then give you this wonderful word of wisdom that goes against the stuff in here, all right? You're not that special, all right? He's not, he's not gonna go against it. If something's going against it, it probably ain't the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, uh, the, the, the last part here of this teaching he gives you, he says, my peace I leave with you, in verse 27, my peace I give you. And he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. In other words, my peace lasts. My peace is, it's peace and it's done. And it's difficult for us to understand this in a world where we go through seasons of peace, we might have pockets of peace, but then something pops up, something happens, right? And so it's not a for sure peace. I mean, even in their day, the Romans came and sort of brought this Roman peace, but it wasn't a real peace. And that thing fell and there was chaos and all this stuff happened. So Jesus says, when I bring you peace, it is a peace that is there, which means it doesn't matter what you're going through, nothing in your life will shake you from that peace. That peace is there. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to my father for the father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. Now, the last thing, kind of popped out to me with this is when he's talking about this stuff, he's talking about do this for you and welcome to you and you. It's easy for us to, to think and to personalize that, which is fine because he, he is doing this thing for every single one of us. But the context, what he's giving it there, the actual translation, it's sort of a plural you. And by that, it means that Jesus is making these promises. He's making them to the church, to the community of faith which I think is an important thing to understand because I think it's easy sometimes. Maybe you've been burned by the church. You don't like the church. <laughs> something the pastor said, something someone did. I don't like the music they played. I don't like what such and such did. And you go to another church and you don't like something that they've gone there. You go somewhere else, you don't like something. And all of a sudden you think, you know what? It's just me and Jesus. I'm just gonna sit at home. I got the Bible. I can pop on preachers on my... Uh, YouTube and get the messages, just the good messages. All right, you're gonna filter out the ones you don't like. And you get this sense of me and Jesus. And, and I've talked to people like this where they, it's almost, they, they almost say it like they're in a way of like they're holier, like they've elevated to something above the church. But here's the problem, guys. Jesus looks at the church as his bride. We see this in Ephesians 5. Paul's talking about, actually, to husbands and wives, and he says, husbands, you need to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
He's calling the church and using this, this imagery that this is a bride. He says to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's how Jesus views the church. So if you're someone who's like, well, I got a problem with the church, and I understand, we certainly don't get things right all the time. We are humans, filled churches full of humans. Church would be great if it wasn't for all the people. <laughs> and yet, this is a part of his plan. Jesus is bringing these promises to us, to the church, and not just a celebration church, to the church church. We say it in our creed. We believe in the holy Christian church, the believers everywhere. Jesus died for us, that we are his bride. So when you come in, and if you're thinking, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church, that's like you come to me and say, Phil, I really like you, but I can't stand your wife. I'm going to have visions at that point of going all Will Smith on you. <laughs> Keep my wife's name out your mouth, right? No, that's insulting. You wouldn't do that. But yet somehow you are so holy, just you and Jesus there, and yeah, his, his bride, who cares about that? So don't do that. If you start thinking that way, you start feeling that way, you gotta remember, this is not Jesus. You say, but it's tough, because I gotta come in, I gotta be around people, I don't like people. <laughs> That's why it was a command, to love others. <laughs> if it was easy, there'd be no command. To be nice and to be around people because guess what? This is the vehicle. The church is the vehicle that God is using to speak his message into the world, to bring salvation to those who have no idea that it exists. It's the church. So you should be a part of it. I hope if you come to Celebration Church that you feel bought in enough to say, this is my church and not just a place I visit every once in a while. Well, when I go to church, that's where I attend or I do that. No, man, we want you to be a part of this thing. Not just to make us feel better, but if this, you feel called to this place, jump in. Make this your church. Get some ownership in this because that's what Jesus' purpose is, is to use the church to bless the world. These promises he's giving to us, to the church, jump into the church, amen? Now, he'll love you no matter what. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more or love you less. But these are the instructions, the directions that he's given. And so we hope that you join with us, you get plugged in, you consider to make this place your own and be a part of this thing and be a part of the ministry of us going out there and sharing the love of Jesus to the world. Amen? Amen. All right. At this time, we can ask our ushers to come forward and get ready for a time of communion. And now before we do that, I would just like to say a prayer over everyone here, if you would just bow your heads. In view of what the Apostle Paul taught us in Corinthians, that we are to examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So with those words in mind, let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves if we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we have done, what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us 
and forgive us of all our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. Now, if you are here this morning, and as you're hearing this, maybe something's burning inside of you, and you've never really made that commitment to say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to love you. I want to learn about your ways so I can follow you because I want those promises. I want you, Jesus, to come in and make your home in me. If you've never done that before, just all you have to do is just take some time here as we're getting ready and as the band starts playing, just in your own words, just ask Jesus to come in and to be Lord of your life and to change you. And the great thing about that is not only does he come and he makes his home here, Jesus says that not only that, I'm also in heaven making a place for you there. In other words, your eternity starts today. Your forever starts now. He will be with you now in this life and with you in the next. Amen.